The question asked of Jesus, Is it lawful to pay the census tax to Caesar or not? It sounds deceptively innocent when we first hear it. But the ones asking it were not really curious at all uh, about his opinion on the payment of a tax. And while they began their conversation by patronizing Jesus, you know, by telling him what a great and honest teacher he is, well, they're, they're flat out lying. Jesus sees this and he calls their bluff and he names them to their faces, hypocrites. What's going on here? Well, a little background information can help us, I think, understand this confrontation. There's two groups here. We've got the Pharisees and the Herodians. The Pharisees were a Jewish religious sect that opposed Roman rule over the Jewish people. They absolutely hated the idea of paying taxes to the Romans, particularly with a coin bearing Caesar's image, which maybe they saw this as a violation of the Jewish law prohibiting graven images. So that's the Pharisees. And then on the other side of this, you have the Herodians. The Herodians, also present at this interrogation of Jesus, were supporters of the Roman King Herod and of Caesar's taxes. There was thus a tension between the two groups. They disliked each other, but they had a mutual enemy, Jesus. Now the Pharisees saw Jesus as a threat to their religious establishment and to their own positions of power. And the Herodians, well, they saw Jesus as a threat because they are supporters of King Herod. And King Herod, one of his titles is King of the Jews. And some people were starting to call Jesus the King of the Jews. You know, if you're the King of the Jews and you hear someone else being called by that title... You might not like it, right? So the Herodians didn't like Jesus either. So these enemies, the Pharisees and the Herodians, teamed up to trap Jesus, and together they, they ask him, is it lawful to pay the tax, uh, the census tax to Caesar or not? Now, if Jesus had answered, yes, it's lawful to pay the tax, the Pharisees would have had justification to persecute him for not being a good Jew. If he had answered, no, it's not lawful to pay the tax, well, then the Herodians could have arrested him for opposing the tax. But Jesus, of course, as he often does, provides the perfect answer. He saves himself from punishment by either party, and he teaches us some things at the same time. He answered, repay to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and to God what belongs to God. And in saying this, Jesus acknowledges both Caesar and God have certain rights, and neither party can arrest him. So that's how he escapes this trap. But what does he teach us in the process? I think he teaches us at least three useful lessons. First, he teaches us that legitimate government has authority and it deserves our cooperation. We should pay to Caesar what is Caesar's. I think the youth catechism explains this rather well. It says, Every citizen has the duty to cooperate loyally with the civil authorities, 
and to contribute to the common good in truth, justice, freedom, and solidarity. A Christian, too, should love his homeland, defend it in various ways in times of needs, and gladly offer to serve civil institutions. He should exercise the right to vote and even run for office and not shirk the duty to pay just taxes. Nevertheless, within the state, the individual citizen remains a free man with fundamental rights. He has the right to offer constructive criticism of the state and its organs. But, and here's the key, the state is there for the people, not the individual for the state. Right? The state is supposed to serve us, not us to serve it. And secondly, we are taught by Jesus that the authority of legitimate government is itself derivative. It's granted by God. Even if the government is kind of godless, God works through it. Uh, consider uh, our first reading, a ex great example of this. King Cyrus, he was a pagan ruler, you know, meaning he didn't know God, he didn't know the God of the Jews, um, he was a pagan ruler who defeated Babylon. And if you remember your history, Babylon had um, conquered Israel and had taken many of them into exile, had captured the Israelites and, and took them into Babylon, away from their homeland. So King Cyrus conquers Babylon. And then he frees the Israelites from captivity. He allows them to go home and helps them to rebuild Jerusalem and the temple. As the Lord explained through the prophet Isaiah, Cyrus's authority and power were granted by God for the good of God's people. Uh, we hear God say, I have called you, Cyrus. I called you, Cyrus, by your name, though you knew me not. It is I who armed you, though you knew me not. We see here that even if a leader doesn't know or follow God, doesn't seem like maybe an exemplary Christian, uh, they have a legitimate authority and a legitimate power that truly comes from God. And God can work through or despite their actions for the greater good in the end. God works, in other words, through all things, because God is above all things, even Caesar. And finally, the third lesson I think that Jesus teaches us here today. Uh, this should be obvious to people sitting in church pews, but the lesson is God has the ultimate authority, and he, above all else, deserves our cooperation. Next Sunday's gospel will remind us that the greatest commandment is that we should love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, Therefore, we must pay to God what is God. And what is God's? Our entire hearts, souls, and minds. In a word, our whole selves. And for us, this means everything. We've got to pay our whole lives back to God. Um, so that includes everything. Our work at the office, our work in the farm, on the ranch, our marital relationships, our struggles with money, what we eat for breakfast even what we choose for entertainment, 
how we vote, and so on. All of this we are called to pay to God. Jesus asked those present what image was on that coin that he used to, that they used to pay the tax. It's an image of Caesar. The coin made in the image of Caesar should be given back to Caesar. But ourselves, as human persons, we are made in the image and likeness of God, and we ourselves then should be given back to God. What does all this mean? Well, it means obedience to the rule of the land, Caesar, you know, our, our government, that it's necessary. Governments, even ones that seem godless, they are given the authority to make laws that have to be obeyed. Taxes, speed limits, etc. Obeyed so long as government doesn't overstep its authority and begin to make unjust laws that require the people to act against their well-formed consciences, to act against God's moral law. If that happens and it happens a lot in our country, we must not comply with the unjust law. What ultimately matters is, of course, not the judge in the courthouse, whose authority is earthly and derivative, but the judge we meet at the end of our lives, God, who is the source of all authority. So to recap, uh, legitimate government has authority, deserves our cooperation. Second lesson, The authority of legitimate government is derivative. It comes from God, though, so it is real authority. And finally, third lesson, God is the one who has the ultimate authority, and he asks that we repay him with our entire lives. We have, we can say, dual citizenship. We are members of this earthly nation, United States of America, for a while, but for all eternity, We are members of God's kingdom. Let's now prepare to offer our lives entirely upon this altar in union with the sacrifice made by the true king of the Jews, the king of the world, the king of the universe, Jesus Christ, our Lord, in the most holy Eucharist. Amen.